But I really think the driving force of the growth outside of like COVID and the pandemic was uh, we spent two weeks doing no work except for working on what are our values, what's our mission, who we want to bring on board and what type of clients we want to work with. We had never done that before. And I always thought it was kind of woo-woo stuff like, oh yeah, you need like a vision statement and like a, you know, value statement. But like, as you get deeper into it, like I started to realize it attracts talent, mm-hmm. right? Because they can see that vision. It attracts clients you want. And it becomes a story that can get told in like a mythology in your company right, right. that starts to resonate with people. Welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I'm serial entrepreneur and investor, Emmy Kirshner. And I'm known for sprinkling just a little bit of glitter throughout the streets of Philadelphia and on the stages that I speak while I help creative entrepreneurs stop struggling as the overworked admin in their business and become the CEO of their multi-six and seven-figure businesses. What has fascinated me over the years are the stories of success and failure that courageous entrepreneurs who have put it all on the line face as they change lives, disrupt industries, and become incredible leaders themselves. So if you're looking for a community of engaged entrepreneurs, and you'd love to get some resources and tools that can help you fast track your business, I invite you to join the Tribe of Leaders Facebook group. The link is in the show notes if you want to connect with us. And of course, the group is free to join. Hey, everybody. Super excited to have Dean Dutro, who is the co-founder of Worth Ecommerce, a seven-figure e-commerce marketing agency that helps businesses of all sizes dramatically grow their revenue by at least 30%, which is amazing. I would love to grow my revenue by 30% super quickly with lifecycle email marketing and SMS, which is text marketing. Dean is an amazing e-com and email marketing and SMS expert. And Dean, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you here. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to uh, excited to connect and, and talk a little. Yeah, yeah. Share with everybody, like, how did you get into email marketing and SMS text message marketing? Because as I just shared you before I hit record, like not my zone of genius at all. And I'm fascinated because it's such an amazing opportunity to connect with potential customers. We're starting to utilize more of the SMS facets in my business, particularly interacting with clients. So how did you fall into that? And have you always been an entrepreneur? Good question. It's it's a long story. I'll kind of give the short version of it. (laughs) I have not always been an entrepreneur, but my, uh, my grandmother and my, my mom both had their own businesses okay. and, uh, my grandmother ended up, uh, retiring and selling her business. My mom ended up working, uh, in corporate America for a while now. So it's kind of in my blood, I suppose, and kind of an idea that I wanted to kind of how it all started is a couple of years after college, my best friend actually approached me. I was living in Portland, Oregon at the time, and he was a, a digital nomad. He was traveling the world. He was a, a freelance designer uh, doing uh, user experience design for different companies like the Marriott and Estee Lauder and Absolute Vodka, things like that. And this was, I think, 2015, 2016, when user experience started to kind of blow up. And he was like, hey, you're doing sales. I want to grow this agency. Do you want to be a partner? And like, go travel the world and go to Asia and Europe and help these companies. And, and uh, I said, yes. I was like, yeah, let's do it. 
so quit my job, which, which was tough. It was a, it was a pretty awesome job. I was like 23 or 24 and I had like an expense account and I was traveling all over the country doing sales for aviation companies. And it was a pretty like wild time of life. But when he approached me, I just knew like, this is the right thing. I want to do that. You know, our whole vision was, Hey, let's, uh, let's travel the world. Let's make money. Let's go to beaches. Let's drink beers and have fun. And we did that for a year and it just crashed and burned. It was a really good time, but we ended up honestly failing. Both of us actually ended up living at our grandparents' places for about six months to a year after that journey. We lost a bunch of money, things didn't pan out, and it was a rough learning lesson. But I basically call it, I got my master's degree, you know? Right, on what not to do. Yeah, on what not to do in business. But what had happened is we're servicing some clients, and one of them named Koala Mattresses, which was like the Casper of Australia at the time. Okay. We were doing their site and they said, Hey, do you guys do email marketing? And we said, yes. And we had never done it before. So I took, we, we told them it would take a month to do. And I took a week learning as much as I could about copywriting, email design, different software. At the time, the software called Klaviyo had just come out, not just come out, but they were starting to grow in popularity. We thought that was pretty cool. And I launched this email system for them uh, within you know two to three weeks. And immediately they saw a revenue lift of like 15%. It was amazing to see how I could send a few emails to some people and how a company can make money from that. And from that point, I just kind of became addicted. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. So I just took courses, got an Upwork profile, a freelance profile, and started just getting as much knowledge as I could. Ended up hiring a couple of contractors, designers, copywriters, and was a one-man team with a couple of contractors. Started a company that I called Instant Email Copy. I completely changed the way I wanted to do vision to uh, do business. Found out that while traveling was really fun, I was just a consumer of things, right? Like I wasn't adding any value to these places. And so what I wanted to do was come back home. I'm from Oregon originally and be a part of the community, build a culture and have like an actual vision. And so I really tied that back to, you know, my parents and their small businesses and how cool it would have been for them to use this technology to grow and how it would have made them more successful and help their, honestly, just their lives and, and actually impact their wallets. And so the idea was like, hey, how could I help, you know, as many small businesses as I could grow their revenue, but not just their revenue, their actual profit. Because the thing about email is as you scale, the cost to send emails doesn't go up compared to driving traffic to your website. Right. So as you scale it and you go from a thousand subscribers to 10,000 to a hundred thousand, all of a sudden you're only paying like a thousand bucks extra a month, but you're making a ton more. I grew that team to about 10 people here in Portland and it was kind of cool. I recruited from a co-working space. So like my first eight employees, they were actually freelancers in this co-working space in Portland. Right. Uh, so good recruiting tip for people is uh, go to co-working spaces and talk to people. Co-working uh, spaces are so powerful. I can hardly wait till we can get back into them fully. Cause it's such a, I know. Such a great networking place. Yeah, I miss them. And you know, you get clients from it, you get great talent. Uh, there's usually cool events. Anyways, fast forward, we're, we're humming along and my best friend came to visit. We actually ended up doing a trip in California to Newport for about a week or so. And he had started an e-commerce store selling goods online and then pivoted into actually doing more service work, doing Facebook ads, also doing some email marketing. And we were kind of competing with each other for some of the same clients. And it was funny, we'd always like outbid each other and, and things like that. And we'd be talking to the same, same people somehow. And we were like, why don't we just join forces, use your team, use my team 
double in size and just grow this thing to where we want. Right. That took about four or five months to hammer out. And we joined in September. And since then we've just grown it. We've got 50 employees now. We've got hundred clients consistently trying new things and, and changing the way we operate, changing our business model. It's like every five employees, the business changes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from an organizational standpoint and structure standpoint. But I really think the driving force of the growth outside of like COVID and the pandemic was uh, we spent two weeks doing no work except for working on what are our values, what's our mission, who we want to bring on board and what type of clients we want to work with. We had never done that before. And I always thought it was kind of woo-woo stuff like, oh yeah, you need like a vision statement and like a, you know, value statement. But like, as you get deeper into it, like I started to realize it attracts talent, mm-hmm. right? Because they can see that vision. It attracts clients you want. And it becomes a story that can get told in like a mythology in your company right, right. that starts to resonate with people. That's kind of the long-winded uh, answer. And there's, you know, there's some ups and downs, but. I have like five questions I want to ask you. So let's start with the core values because you know, when you and I talked previously, like core values are huge for me. I had them framed for a while in my old house. When you're clear about that and your mission and and creating, I love what you're saying, like the mythology, the story of your why, it really informs your decisions in a totally different way when you stay connected to it. Do you feel that way as well? Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like uh, when you create your values and in that why, you've already made the decision for future things and how you're going to operate, right? Because you can tie it based off those values. So right. it helps with this. I think, I think it helps with decision fatigue because we can say, is this in line with our values? Yes or no. Uh, and then we, and then we know what to do. Exactly. Exactly. And then I'm curious too, like you said, you know, changes operationally for you with every five employees and maybe that number is a little bit different for other companies, but how do you see it changing operationally for you? And what are you doing to meet that change? Well, there's kind of two parts to it. One is before the pandemic, we did have an office space where we came in a couple of times a week and then people worked remote. And that was nice because being in per- nothing beats being in person, in my opinion, in terms of getting things done quickly right. and in uh, organizing things. Um, so with the remote workforce communication, it's, it's one of those things where it can become too much, right? So at first I thought that we had to over-communicate being remote. What I found is that it's not over-communication, but it's doing the deep work and doing like the thinking ahead of communicating that really makes a difference. Otherwise people are just being reactionary and we still have that kind of problem being reactionary. But as you go from like five people to 10 to 15 to 20, for example, people want career growth. They wanna know, is there a new position that could open up? You're not gonna know what those positions are a lot of the time right? Like there's no sort of guidebook for, for a lot of this stuff. There's some business structure and organizational charts you can get ideas from, which I advise. You know, what I realized is I'm always looking at an org chart mm-hmm. to see like what's next, how are we going to grow vertically? And then what are the horizontal positions that are going to help assist? That right. can kind of serve two purposes. It can help you plan ahead. And it can also serve as inspiration for people on your team who want to grow. Cause you can say, Hey, here's the org chart now. Here's where it's going to be. What position do you see yourself in? But really it comes down to like, I kind of fall into the philosophy that you can only really lead five direct people at once, right? Beyond that, it's really hard to, to lead, you know, directly. So you got to give those five people responsibility of another five people and sort of grow it that way. Uh, So it just becomes a communication thing where it's like, 
someone who's like an admin or an entry-level position, you know, you're way distanced from them now, but like, how do you get that same message across to them through the leaders in your company? Yeah. Um, that, that becomes kind of tricky. I'm not sure if that answered the question or not, but it's, it's mainly just lines of communication and, and getting the message across to everyone. Well, and I, it's funny you said that because I was just listening to a podcast this morning and I don't remember the CEO's name or the company, but he was saying that he's in that visionary role where, I mean, he has his core team members, but they've got, I think like a hundred employees oh, wow. and he's no longer in the day-to-day business piece because he's out there yeah. being the face of the company, which is what he's supposed to be doing. And he set himself up for success so that he has check-ins with more of the employees so that he doesn't feel disconnected. And he's really mindful about the communication so that, you know, those on the more entry level rungs of the, of the org chart can have their voice heard. That acknowledgement piece is, I think, so important, you know, especially as you grow, because people want to know that they're seen and, they're helping your business grow ultimately. And so, you know, one of the things, one of our values, for instance, is like personal growth mm-hmm. and just growth in general, but we kind of define it as, you know, personal career growth. And so how can you tie everyone's own sort of personal goals financially to them being able to see a career path within a company where they add value to the company and grow their finances and their career, right? Naturally, as they add value, so it kind of becomes this like cycle effect. It can be tough because like for me, like I like to lean on my people to see what roles they see that we're missing, right? So right. a lot of our, like a lot of my leadership team started working with me at instant email copy where it was like 10 of us and they kind of created their own roles, which is really cool to see. Um, as we grow bigger, now it's more defined because we know what's coming next. I think that, that those core 10 people you first hire are really important for any organization. Yeah. Did you have growing pains too of like your first hires were not the quite the right people or did you get it right, like right out of the gate? I feel like I got pretty lucky. I actually, before I started in business, I was a professional recruiter. Okay. Uh, so I, so I think I had an edge in, <laughs> in that case, you know, you know, being in the co-working space, I got to know people before I hired them. I'm really proud. Our turnover rate is very low employee-wise, I've, I've found that it's hard to keep admins. And I think that's a part of like just the size and acknowledgement and showing some career growth. But most of the people that have joined have stayed with us and grown with us and kind of enjoy that vision. But I think I got kind of lucky being in a place that was full of people that had that entrepreneurial spirit, want to grow. And yeah, I've gotten lucky. It's It's been nice. We've had, we've had to let people go and some people have left, you know, but ultimately it's the core people that you want to keep going. Right, right. Well, that's awesome. And yeah, I think you definitely had an advantage in having previous experience as the recruiter. Yeah. So um, I want to dive in a little bit too to like how you help other businesses. Why would um, somebody want to use email marketing or SMS marketing in their business? Like what's the benefit? I'll keep it more general because I think it benefits any business uh, dramatically. In fact, a lot of the research will say if you Google like ROI of email marketing, you know, there's all these stats and it usually falls between 38 to 42% ROI, which is basically the highest ROI channel there is. Facebook used to be higher, like in 2015, when it was just like pennies to post ads. 
lots more competition and it costs a lot more to bid, things like that. Like I said before is what's great about email is that you can use it and same with SMS. SMS is a little different. I'm getting that later, but email is great because it used to be spray and play. You just send out a blast as many people as you could. And that was the first form of digital marketing was emails. And I think actually the first email I ever sent was like for an auto body shop or something like that. What happens is as your email list grows, there's a, there's a few benefits to it. One, it's a profit maker, right? So like I alluded to before, if you go from a thousand emails to a hundred thousand, the cost to send is still very low, right? So you could be doing, you know, let's say you're at $50,000 a month in revenue. Email could be producing 20 to 30% of that 50,000. But then as you go to a hundred thousand, email continues to produce 30% of your revenue. And as you go to a million, we still see 30% or more of revenue coming from email. So it just grows with you and the cost stays the same, right? So your, your return goes up dramatically. And the reason it can do that is very targeted, right? So you're reaching the right person at the right time with the right, right message. So it converts a lot, people get engaged and there's ways to do it right, ways to do it wrong. The other benefit, which isn't talked about that much, if you have a main source of traffic to your site that is Google ads or SEO or Facebook ads or Instagram or TikTok or YouTube or whatever channel you're bringing in people to your site or to your business, at any moment that could shut off, right? That funnel can shut off. In fact, I have a friend who recently, her Instagram account got randomly disabled by Instagram. It was her main source of income. Thousands of followers, her business is gone, you know? Yeah. Uh, like they disabled it for no reason, for violating terms of service. No one's gotten back to her. It's been a month. Luckily, she has an email list that she can send out emails to. Uh, but that story is very common. If Google does an SEO change and you, you rank at the top of Google and they change it, you're, you're screwed. You know, like it takes a long time. When Panda hit uh, several years ago, so many people were out, almost out of business. But email can be the bridge to help during those times. Yeah. And we've talked about that. Like I have my Facebook group, I have my email list and the email list is mine. I own it. Yep. Facebook can go away. And you know, most of the people that are in the group are on my list. So that's fantastic. It's just my landing spot for the community, but there are people who don't have that same thing. Like Facebook could have whatever happen and it's just yeah. gone. And I do recommend downloading your email list once a month. Just in case MailChimp or ActiveCampaign or whatever decides to go haywire, uh, I, I always recommend download the list because then you actually own it, right? Because it's in a file. And then you can use it on any platform, which is great. I love that. I have not thought about that. Definitely do that. SMS, on the other hand, is a little different. Uh, if, if you want me to get into that, I can, I can go quick. Yeah, I think it's still new that a lot of um, businesses aren't taking advantage of it. And yeah. Yeah, some of the, I don't remember the exact numbers, but some of the conversations I've had is that people will pay attention or respond to a text message sooner than their email. I think that's perfect. And it is underutilized. People are scared of it for some reason. I think that they're scared of it because it's like, do I collect a phone number or an email, right? And is a phone number intrusive? There's actually laws that prevent you from sending texts during certain hours of the day. So you have to basically send your text messages during uh, business hours in the US at least. The other piece is they feel like they're gonna annoy people because email is very like, people have been getting e promotional emails for 20, 30 years now. So they're used to it. Right. Gmail has a promotions tab, which was like 
actually a massive benefit for email marketers because they don't get marked as spam anymore, but it's a clear promotion. So people, you know, if they're looking, they're going to look right uh, with, with SMS, there's still no folder option yet. I think there, I think Apple will probably evolve that to create like main messages and like promotional messages. I just have a feeling that would happen. And then I think that people limit who they subscribe to on text. We'll probably see data come out that the average person who subscribes to text messages will probably subscribe to seven, you know, maybe six or seven different companies that they really like. So you might as well try. I like it because it's easier for me to manage. Yeah. And maybe that's a function of I'm not inundated with promo stuff. I get reminders from, you know, anything from my doctor to getting my oil changed in my car, whatever, or other places that I've signed up to get notifications. It's just easier and I can swipe faster. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's it's right there. Yeah. It's short. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's super short. And then uh, the, the, the really successful companies, they make it a two-way communication platform. Right. Right. So if you're just sending, Hey, 15% off on this pair of clothes or 15% off this oil change, Uh, That'll have some success, but where you'll start to build loyalty and build relationships with customers. I think there's certain demographics that love using text message over email. Uh, In fact, we found companies that target baby boomers and then people that target the younger generation, um, not the millennials as much for some reason. We're so used to email. Those demographics with those companies tend to perform better on SMS. Uh, At least what I've found, I'm sure there'll be some white papers in the future from some of the big marketing agencies. That's kind of interesting to me. If you make it two way where someone can reply back and ask a question and you just have a dedicated customer support person, like you're going to get a lot more sales and conversions or booked meetings or whatever your goal is. Right. right. Particularly when you can actually reply back and you get a response. And, yeah. Um, but that like blows people away when yeah. you. Well, it's so instantaneous and personal. If somebody wanted to start doing that, like what is a, a typical SMS campaign look like? Like how can they use it? Yeah. It, so, so my knowledge is e-commerce focused, of course. Any business can set up automations or flows or drips. It's all the same thing, different jargon. And automation is, is essentially just like a series of texts or emails based off where people fall in the customer lifecycle, right? So are they a prospect? Are they a new customer, a repeat customer? Are they a VIP customer? Are they a lapsed prospect, a lapsed uh, customer, things like that? Those are some of the buckets I like to target. And then you can tailor your message based off that, right? So if someone's a prospect, most people for e-commerce, for example, expect 10% off or free shipping these days, right? Because these companies have to compete with Amazon, for example. Um, so, so do that. But if people don't convert, you know, what are the objections that you could try and counter with a text message? Is it social proof? Is it price? Is it just, hey, extra communication and trust? And each message can only be a certain amount of characters, but you can say a lot in a sentence, you know? Like you could have a text that says like, hey, I saw that you were interested, but haven't purchased yet. Respond back and I can help you with any questions. You know, like that kind of stuff goes a long way. So you build out basically one to three text messages for each customer lifecycle. And most programs... Uh, software are going to have that already set up for you to be able to accomplish. And it may be custom for your business. And then you kind of treat like your email blasts, like typical, or your SMS blasts, like Black Friday, like typical email, but just have that added thing of like reply back if you have questions. That's, I think that's super helpful. 
Ooh, it's fun things to play with. I've used it more, one, for client reminders, but two, when yeah. I was back in the old days when we were live as an opt-in. Mm. And I would get people's, you know, their name, but their email address, and then give them whatever gift that I had promised based on that. And it's been really fun to play with. And people love doing that. Yeah. And then, and then I get their phone number and you know, we can create campaigns to kind of keep them interested and in the loop, particularly if they don't uh, open the emails. If I were like a freelancer just starting, I would probably just make it my core thing to, to learn SMS marketing. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think it's going to be so fruitful for so many businesses. We have it as a service for e-commerce clients, but if you can figure it out for different types of companies, right. I think it'll be so powerful. Right. Like, like uh, restaurants. I, I love going to breweries here in Portland. Okay. And there's a few that you can opt into their phone number and they'll be like, Hey Dean, like we just launched a new beer, come get it on tap, you know, before it runs out. I'm like, Oh, I gotta go. Right. You know? <laughs> like, like, and if I would have seen that, like I would have seen it in an email, but it would have been too late. Do you find people check their email less often? I notice that people don't like reply back to, to most emails, unless it's like a customer support email, um, for example, or like a receipt email or invoice where the address could be wrong. I think actually open rates are up across the board for email. I think the reason why is it's become very targeted. People are getting better messages and people are getting better email marketing and people kind of know the game now. Like, you know, if you go to an e-commerce store and abandon checkout, they're going to send you some follow-up emails with a potential discount. Like I think almost everyone knows that now. Right. Um, So I think people, you know, they know what they're getting into and the message, the messaging is better. The delivery is better. Again, the promotions tab, everyone thought was going to destroy email marketing. I think it was the best thing to ever happen to it. Um, right. cause you just didn't get marked as spam anymore. Right. right? Like it's clear. Oh, here's my promotions for the week. And uh, there's a company that I like, I'm gonna go check them out versus in my inbox. I got to delete all this crap. You know, uh, it's yeah, almost like a, Go ahead. Like they're just running in there. There's yeah. thousands of them. And I like having it all separated. Yeah. So like I'm looking at the, you know, in a triage kind of way, the things that are most important and then. Yeah. And there, and it's like a magazine, you know, it's like the ads just stay there now. Um, and very rarely do people clear that promotions tab. And often if you email a company, if a promotion is passed, and say, hey, I missed this. Could I still get this discount? Like they'll they'll oblige a lot of the time. I want to shift gears a little bit because I'm curious, and I've been asking this of a lot of my guests. What are your plans for the rest of 2021? Like, where do you see you and the and the business growing? You know, for us, we dabble in what I call owned marketing, right? So, what are the channels where you own your own? content, your email list, your phone numbers, your website, your blogs, your content, podcasts, things like that. And, you know, we're expanding SMS. So we're, we're getting almost everyone on our team is now certified. We're growing that we can see that being a huge benefit to our clients. You know, I want to keep growing my, my business, uh, kind of this vision of getting it to like a hundred employees, a few hundred clients and creating this ecosystem of, of e-commerce mm-hmm. businesses and, and also agency partners. Uh, some of part of like an agency mastermind, uh, we host different events. I'm trying to start a mastermind for different e-commerce companies, agencies, things like that. Uh, so, so for me, it's just like spreading the information, you know, helping people grow and, you know, helping my team grow too. 
Uh, so that's, that's kind of my long-term vision. Maybe one day we'll get an office, you know, if COVID opens up, I, I miss, I miss seeing people's faces and doing like all hands-on meetings in person. Everyone's like cramped into an uncomfortable room, but uh, it's much better than Zoom calls where you can, you know, it's just, it's just waiting for the yeah, economy it's, to. It's missing the, um, the energy of that yeah. like brainstorm piece. Yeah. So. And where do you see like your leadership growing? Like what's one area that you want to expand or you're focused on right now? Right now I'm, I'm trying to groom a couple of our directors to get into a, a similar role as me, right? So I can start taking a step back and going, continuing the vision in other areas, which is, you know, for me, like I'm personally good at developing a system and a process and a vision to get it done. So I'm trying to like, essentially duplicate myself. And that's kind of been my philosophy since starting is like the, the first hire I had was a project manager. It was the best investment I ever made because he started handling all the clients. He's now our strategic director, right? So he's grown in, in his, his way. The second hire was an admin. Now she's, you know, one of our senior people on our leadership team. Uh, so it's like, it's cool to see this and duplicate yourself, but then they also like point out new things that you, you had no idea was needed. So that's kind of my goal is, is grow it to like a hundred, get some people in place and then focus on other areas where I think could be fun or, or new initiatives and things like that. Very cool. I love it. Well, I can hardly wait to see what you grow and create over the course of the year. Yeah. And I love podcasting too. Like I've, I've got a podcast, love talking to entrepreneurs and business people and marketers. And uh, that's been a lot of fun for me uh, is just getting to know other people and what they're doing and, and just learning. You know, yeah, it's like its own why, mastermind. Yeah, that's why I love this because I've met some really cool people, including yourself, and and just seeing what everybody's doing and how they're doing it differently because no two businesses are ever exactly the same, and everybody's leadership style is like even if the the core values or the general philosophy is similar, the way they approach it and how they problem solve is different. Absolutely, there's so much value in that. Tell us a little bit about the podcast too. Yeah, so it's called the Relationship Commerce Podcast. And it's, we essentially feature like top businesses in e-commerce, uh, their stories, their struggles, and then the strategies they're using to scale now. So it's, it's very insightful. It's very like what's working now. I kind of call them like the hidden entrepreneurs. You know, they're not the people you would see in Forbes or uh, Time or anything like that, but they're doing millions in revenue. They've got a big team. They could be in Ohio. They could be in Texas, like wherever, you know, they're doing really cool things under the radar. You learn a lot. Like I'm learning about TikTok and how people are growing, you know, their businesses via TikTok. I'm like, I have no idea what that is. Uh, Clubhouse, <laughs> you know, is is huge. I get to learn these new things, share it with my clients. You know, they get value out of it. My team learns from it. So it's it's a, it's a really great podcast, especially if you want to hear directly from businesses in e-commerce. Cool. All right. Well, everybody should check that out then. And we'll put the link in the show notes. Is it on Apple Podcasts, I presume? And yeah, it's everywhere. It's places. everywhere. Yeah. Awesome. And where could everybody connect with you if they wanted to reach out? Uh, LinkedIn would be the best. Uh, okay. Just just search Dean Dutro on LinkedIn and I'm pretty active on there. And uh, we'll, you know, we'll talk with, with almost everyone when I, you know, see my messages and, and go from there. Well, this has been so much fun, Dean. I'm really glad that you could be here with me. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Thank you. And for everybody listening, we will see you next week. Thank you so much for being a listener of the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I am so grateful for each and every episode that you tune in and listen to. 
And I hope that you get a ton of value that you can implement starting today. And I do have just a quick favor. If you wouldn't mind hopping on to wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating and review, it would help us tremendously so that the Tribe of Leaders podcast can be found more easily and help inspire other entrepreneurial leaders. 